My name is Eleanor. I'm going to read the Bible for us today. If you would like a Bible, you are welcome to collect one from the back table. Today's reading is from Matthew chapter 21, verses 1 to 11. It can be found on page 801 in your church Bibles. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to daughter Zion, See, your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey, and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? The crowds answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. G'day friends, my name is Scott. I'm the pastor here at Trinity Church Cracker. Really good to be with you this morning. Um, I do want to mention we're going to have a question and answer time after the talk today. So if you've got any questions about anything that I say today or anything we've really said over the uh, last number of weeks we've been in Matthew, feel free to ask your questions and um, we'll see how we go. I want to start today, though, by telling you that earlier this year, something very sad happened to me. I realized I'm no longer young and hip and with it anymore. That surprises you, I can tell by your reaction, yes. Now, I used to pride myself on keeping up with all the cool stuff. I used to listen to Triple J, and I knew all the latest and cool music, but I've come to realize that's just no longer me. See, earlier this year, someone came to Adelaide, and it caused a big stir. Everyone was talking about this person, and I'd never heard of them. Did you hear about Sam Smith coming to our city? I kept hearing that name, Sam Smith, Sam Smith, over and over. And apparently, uh, he played a big concert down in in McLaren Vale. I'd never heard Sam Smith's name before. I found out uh, Sam Smith is a very famous singer, a talented musician, won a bunch of awards. Uh, Did you hear about Sam Smith coming to Adelaide? It caused a big stir. I can see some of you have heard of it because... Uh, it was everywhere in the in the media, in the news, and even just last week, a couple of days ago, it resurfaced again. And the reason is the South Australian government actually paid for him to come. He paid for Sam Smith to come out, paid for the food and the drinks. They even paid for the tickets. No one who was there paid at all. It was an invite-only thing. And it was all to promote tourism in South Australia. And there were all sorts of figures flying around. It cost $1 million to get Sam here. Maybe it was $1.5 million. And then the minister came out and said, oh, no, it was well less than $1.5 million. But Sam Smith comes to Adelaide, and it causes 
a great stir amongst people who live here. And did you notice in the passage that Eleanor just read out for us, that same thing happened. Uh, at church, we've been looking through the book of Matthew for the last uh, couple of months. Uh, Matthew's uh, biography of Jesus' life, telling us what he did when in, in his time on earth. And today we're in our final week of this series. Uh, over the past few weeks in particular, we've been following Jesus. He's been on a journey from Galilee, which is up there to the north, and he's been walking down south to Jerusalem. And today we see him arrive at Jerusalem. And if Sam Smith caused a great stir when he came to Adelaide, that's nothing compared to what happened when Jesus came into Jerusalem all those years ago. I think, why? What is it about Jesus that causes such a commotion? Did the Jerusalem government pay for his trip there too? Well, no, actually. What we're going to see, when Jesus comes into Jerusalem, it's, it's, it's a major event. It had huge significance for the people back then. And it still has ongoing significance for us who are here today. So, let's dig into it. There are really three scenes that we want to go through today. Three scenes we're going to, we're going to see. The first has Jesus with his disciples. At this stage, they, they've not quite made it to Jerusalem yet. They're at a little place called Bethphage, which is just outside the city, only a few kilometers to go. And Jesus does something that is very strange, actually. He asks his disciples to get a donkey for him. Look at verse 1. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you'll find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them, and he'll send them right away. Jesus goes and gets a donkey. Think about that for a moment. Why does he want a donkey? I mean, he's managed to walk over at least 160 kilometers already. He's nearly at Jerusalem. Surely he can do those last few Ks on foot as well, right? That's not like he isn't used to walking everywhere. He does this all the time. This isn't new for him. Why does he want a donkey just for these last few kilometers? It's not because he's got sore feet. It's not because he's lazy or injured. We see the reason in verse 4. In verse 4, we see that Jesus rides the donkey because he is intentionally fulfilling prophecy. So look at verse 4. All this took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to daughter Zion, See, your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey, and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Jesus here, is intentionally, he's going out of his way to fulfill this prophecy. Uh, 600 years before Jesus was on earth, uh, Zechariah prophesied to the Jews. And a part of his prophecy was to prepare the people for what it would be like when their king, when their Messiah came to them. You know, he's, he's saying this, I, this isn't going to come out of the blue for you. you you'll know that it's him. There's going to be a sign. And the sign is... He comes riding into the city on a donkey. 
uh, Easter is nearly here. Happy days. Love Easter, right? Um, let me, I want to tell you about Easter about nine years ago. Um, Pip, my wife Pip and I, we were living in, in Sydney, and we were going to a big, large Anglican church right in the heart of Sydney. And on Easter in 2014, we had some very special visitors come to be with us. Does anyone know who came? Of course you don't. But it was important. Caton Wills, the future king, and his wife came to be at church with us. You can imagine the kind of things that had to happen. Right? The, the preparations, the crowd control. At one point, they even had to empty the building out and do a bomb sweep through the building before anyone could come back in again. It was no small feat to have them there. Do you think, though, that they could have crept in unnoticed? Do you think they could have just slid in in the back door and sat in the back seats and, and gone out again with nobody actually noticing they were there? Not a chance, right? Not at all. When they, when they came, you knew it was them. You knew they were there. You could not miss it. There was the, the police escort, the security guards, the whole deal. And all these things happening told us, hey, Kate and Wills are here with us. The same thing is going on with, with Jesus and Zachariah. Zachariah said, you'll know when the king and the Messiah comes to you. He's going to come riding on a donkey. He doesn't, and Jesus, he doesn't want people to miss how significant this is. And, and, and so it's like a, a, a big rapper announcing his arrival. You know, hey, yo, MC Hammer in the house or something like that. Um, but Jesus, he announces his arrival, the arrival of the king. He's, it's the king. It's the Messiah. And that's why he's riding on a donkey into the city. But there's one more detail that's worth noticing. Uh, we have a problem with kings, with, with rulers and people in authority. We, we tend to be a bit skeptical of them, don't we? Because so many of them set themselves up, but they're, they're, they're self-interested. They're, they're, they're grabbing power. They're in it for themselves. This kind of thing we saw last week. Jesus actually talked about this. But Jesus is different. Uh, the Jews at the time, they had an expectation of what their Messiah would do. He would be a hero. He's a great guy. He's going to kick out the Romans, get rid of those foreign overlords. He's going to give the Jews back their land. He'll be this kind of great warrior king who restores the Jewish people to the place they should have before God and other people. And along comes Jesus. And you could say he's a warrior, but he's not a warmonger. And, and he does restore God's people, but not in the way that they are expecting at all. And so when Zechariah prophesied about the king, look at the words that he used. He said the king would come and the king would be righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on the donkey. That's the quote from Zechariah, chapter 9, verse 9. And there's, there's three words there, right? Righteous, victorious, and lowly. But when Matthew quotes Zechariah, Matthew only uses one of those words. Lowly or gentle. It's the idea of being humble. Matthew is emphasizing us, or emphasizing for us what Jesus is, is like. You even see it in what the king rides on. He doesn't come riding on a giant victorious war horse. He's on a simple little donkey. These are little hints that Matthew is giving us 
Jesus isn't the kind of king that we're used to seeing. He's not the kind of king that's, that's like the other people. He's not the self-interested, power-grabbing, in-it-for-himself ruler. He's lowly. He's humble. He's caring and gentle. Isn't this the kind of king that you want to believe in? Isn't this the kind of king you can put your trust in and get behind? We're going to pick up a bit more about that on Good Friday. But for now, seeing what Jesus is like, seeing that this is true of Jesus, doesn't it just grow your affection for him? Doesn't it remind you of why you love Jesus? Well, that's scene one, Jesus with his disciples. And then we get to scene two, where Jesus rides into Jerusalem on his donkey. When Jesus comes in, did you notice there were very large crowds there? We've seen Jesus followed by large crowds in Matthew, but this is the first time we get a very large crowd. That begs the question, you know, why? What's so special about this moment? We find out later in in Matthew that Jesus is going to Jerusalem for the Passover. It's Passover time. This is the time of the year when the Jews celebrate, when they remember how God rescued them out of Egypt, out from being slaves, leading them across the Red Sea. And, And to remember this great thing that happened a number of years ago, Jews from everywhere would all get together in Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover. So Jesus has been walking down from Galilee for the Passover, but it's not just Jesus with his disciples coming down. There are lots and lots and lots of Jews who live around Galilee. And so now they're all coming down. I'll go to the next slide. They're all coming down to Jerusalem for the Passover. There's so many people there. This is why the crowds are very large. And these are the people that know Jesus the best. See, almost all of the action in Matthew has happened around Galilee. All his teaching, all his healings, the exorcisms he's done. And so these people who are walking on the road with him, who are coming into Jerusalem with Jesus, they're the ones that have seen him, that have heard him, that have, that have been witnesses of all that he's done. And so when they realize that it's Jesus with them, they do something extraordinary. They, they take off their cloaks and they lay them on the road. They cut down palm branches and put them on the road in front of Jesus. It's like they realize a big star is here. It's, it's like uh, when a, a movie star comes to the premiere of their big Hollywood blockbuster and they lay the red carpet out for the stars. These are the important people. Um, uh, apparently King Charles, right, he was, uh, did a state visit to Germany this last week. And they rolled out the red carpet for him to, apparently, they think he's, he's, he's someone who's worthy, someone important. And that's what's going on here. The people realize that Jesus is someone important, so they lay the red carpet out for him. But it's not just what they do, it's also what they say. Uh, look at verse 9. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. Hosanna is not a word that you hear very often anymore, is it? How many of you used that in a sentence in the last week? Um, but it basically, it's a shout of praise, like letting out a big woohoo, yes, look who's here, check it out. 
And their praise is directed at Jesus. You notice they call him the son of David. So David is the greatest king in Israel's history. But God made a promise to David. God said to David, one of your descendants is going to be even greater than you. He's going to be the Messiah. And the people here are saying, that's Jesus. Well, they say, they say that Jesus is coming in the name of the Lord, that he's sent by God to do God's work amongst them. This, this is a very large crowd. And they get, they understand that the moment they're in is a special time. The person before them, Jesus, is a special person. And so they lay the red carpet out. So they sing, they, sing, they shout praise to Jesus. So I just want to take a moment to have a quick aside here. Um, because this is why we sing at church. Right? This is an expression of, of our praise. It's, a, it's an overflow of our desire to praise God. It's like you know, when you're at the footy and your team wins and over the loudspeakers they start playing the club song and you just can't help but sing along, right? Because it expresses your joy about the team and about winning and about the game. and That's why we sing here. Our songs, they, they remind us of why we praise God. The words, there's, there's a truth in what we sing. The words matter. But also our songs actually help us. They lift us to, to praise God. Sometimes we might feel that sense of joy or excitement over who God is and what he does. And, and so our singing just flows out from that. At other times, though, well, let's be honest, we might not feel any sense of joy or excitement there. And that's okay. But I want to encourage us in those moments, still sing. Keep singing. Those, those, those songs help us to praise our God even when our emotions just aren't there. So the encouragement to, to us all is, is this, to, when we sing, is to, to join us in singing. Be a part of that. Keep being a part of that, friend. Think of all the things you do in the week. There's, this is only a really small amount of time we get to do this together. So I want to keep encouraging us. Uh, join your church in those small moments when we get to praise God together. Join your church in doing that. Okay, that's, that's scene two. Jesus rides into Jerusalem. And then scene three actually takes us inside the city of Jerusalem. Right? This is Jerusalem. It's, it's, it's a large city. It's the big capital. It's the big smoke. This is where things happen. And it's very busy right now. You know, All these people are in town. You've got the, the normal people who live there have been joined by all these others, this second group who've come in to celebrate the Passover. You can imagine, right? this is a place that is chock-a-block full. There are people everywhere. In fact, look how it's described in verse 10. When, when Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred. Literally, the word there is the whole city was shaken. It's the same word that's used for, for earthquakes. That is, what's going on here is not just some small little happening. This is, this is big, right? This is seismic stuff. Jesus arrives and a ripple goes through the whole city. And the people of Jerusalem ask, verse 10, who is this? Who is this guy that's causing all this commotion? Who is it that's come amongst us? Really, friends, that's the question we all need to ask. Who is this? Who is Jesus? How do I answer that question? As we've gone 
through the series in Matthew, we've seen and we've heard lots from Jesus. We've seen the way he has compassion on people and feeds them. We've seen him do some crazy stuff, like out of this world stuff, stuff that no one else can do. Walk on water. Be transformed so he's like a dazzling white. And we've seen him confront the leaders of the day and start to call them out on their hypocrisy. We've seen him welcome and care for people who most people would call outcasts and wouldn't have a thing to do with. We've seen him challenge the way that we think about greatness. We've listened to him say that he is this Messiah, this great king, but he's going to soon suffer and die and then rise again to life. This is no ordinary person we've met in Matthew. So it's the right question that they're asking. Who is this? What do you say? The people in Jerusalem back then asked, who is this? And the response came back from the crowds. These are the crowds that have traveled down from Galilee with Jesus. These are the people that have seen and heard him do everything he's done. And they respond. And what do you expect them to say? It's something big, right? Like, you know, he is the king. This guy is the Messiah God sent to us. And so look at what they say in verse 11. The crowds answered, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. I mean, it's true, right? Like he's a prophet and he comes from Nazareth in Galilee. It's true, but. But he just misses so much, doesn't it? And Matthew has retold us this in a way that makes us want to scream out and just say, no, no, he's so much more than that. You've downplayed Jesus here. He is a prophet, yes, but he's so much more. He's a great teacher, yes, but he's so much more. He's an amazing healer, yes, but he is so much more. That's what we've seen again and again in, this, in, in the passage. The, the riding on the donkey showed it to us. The, the way that Jesus was praised as the son of David showed it to us. The way it was said that he comes in the, in the name of the Lord that showed it to us. That over and over we've seen Jesus is the Messiah. This guy is the gentle and caring king that God has given us to restore us back to God. The people of Jerusalem asked, who is this? Friends, what do you say? How do you answer that question? Whether you're a believer in Jesus or not, this is the question that's put to all of us today. Who is this? If you're not there yet, if you're not really convinced about Jesus, if you've got more questions, I like to say, we're really glad you're with us today. I think church is an excellent place for you to be. And and all I really want to say at the end is this. Give Jesus a good, hard, proper look, won't you? This is not the kind of guy you want to ignore. The consequences of what you make of Jesus could be huge. Who is this? Let me invite you to come back over Easter time. Easter is a day where it, it, it's, it's a time when we remember a few days in history. It happened a long time ago, but, but, but a few days that changed history. These are the few days that Jesus said were at the heart of his mission here on earth. Come along next, next, next weekend. See for yourself why we're convinced he is such good news. 
and look, can I say, maybe just one more thing. Um, just come tap me on the shoulder later. I, I'd be keen to know if I can help you out at all. But I know many of us are here today, and we, we're already there. We're believers in Jesus. Uh, and if that's you again, I want to ask the question, who is, who is this? Who is Jesus for you? And we've heard today, Jesus is our King, the Messiah. So he can't be anything less than that for us. We can't box him in, domesticate him, fit him around our life and our desires. And we need to make sure that we let Jesus be the king that he is. We fit around him, not the other way around. I want to say, I know that's what we want to do, right? That, that, that's our desire as, as people who belong to Jesus, as a church. And so today really is just a good reminder to keep at it, to keep making Jesus the king in our life, keep living for Jesus, putting him at the center. So that when we get together on a Sunday, yeah, we do praise him, but we don't just praise him on a Sunday. But the life we live outside of here, as we go about our weeks, that we live our lives in honor, and praise to him. Who is this? This is Jesus, our King, the one that we love and adore. Why don't I pray that we would keep doing that? Let's pray together. Our great God and Father in heaven, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you that today we see very clearly who he is. King, the Messiah, gentle and caring. Grow our love for him, we pray. Grow our love for him so that we might have him as our king in life. Please help us in this, Father. We know that left to our own devices, there are so many reasons, so many things that tempt us and turn us from Jesus. Please, please help us not to fall into them. But please help us keep living with Jesus as our king, loving and adoring. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen.